Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapters 10 and 11, and I'm going to read verses 17 through 21 from chapter 11 for us now, as we prepare to hear from Rich Sylvester, as he helps us learn what the location of Jesus' church looks like. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I'll remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Well, as we continue in our series this morning, considering the exile, I found myself asking a question a lot this week as I prepared. The question I kept asking myself was, what did it feel like to be an exile? What did it feel like to have experienced the fall of Jerusalem and be moved out into exile in the Babylonian empire? I imagine that when the Babylonians surrounded Jerusalem, everybody within the city was scared to death. They they hurried into the city walls and closed the gates as the Babylonian army encircled the city. The Babylonians would simply have to wait. They could starve the people out. Eventually, the city would run out of resources. I wonder if the people in Jerusalem watched as their friends and family starved slowly. But then sometimes the troops in Babylon, they would build these long embankments with dirt and rock and march the army right up along the city wall into the city and just start destroying everybody and everything that they came in contact with. It must have been a horrible, traumatic reality to watch Jerusalem fall. And then after the city fell, Babylon, to make sure that Jerusalem would not rise again, would would bind up its inhabitants, lead them in hundred-mile journeys, scatter them around the empire. If you were a soldier in Jerusalem, now you were a soldier for Babylon. If you were a stone worker in, in Jerusalem, now you would be a stone worker in Babylon. Intellectuals, academics, leaders, all bound up and led hundreds of miles and deposited around Babylon. Most often those left behind in Jerusalem and the cities that Babylon conquered would simply be the poorest of the poor and they would have nothing left. Their city would be ransacked, a smoking pile of rubble, no resources left to live. I wonder what it felt like to go through this. Well, as I asked myself that question, I decided to start reading some of the Psalms that were written during this time of exile. I figured I didn't have to imagine what they were feeling. I could read their own words. In Psalm 42, written in the exile, we read this. These things I remember 
as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Yes, those in exiles were were longing for the way that things were. If only I could be back in Jerusalem with my people, we could walk together up that road to the temple. We could sing praises. We could feast together. We could worship together. We could encounter our God together. You hear the exiles longing for the way things once were. But you can also hear their exhaustion. Listen in Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Can you hear their tiredness and exhaustion as they wait in exile? But you can also get a sense that they feel abandoned and betrayed by their God. Listen in Psalm 44. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Again in Psalm 44. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You can hear them cry out to God, feeling abandoned, even betrayed by the God they worshipped. You can also hear their anger. Listen in Psalm 137. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. You can hear the pain of the exiles come out in great hatred and anger for those that have conquered them. But then this line in Psalm 137, the same psalm that we started our series a few weeks back with, the psalmist writes, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willow trees, there we hung up our lyres. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. They don't even know how to worship. They may not even want to worship anymore. They're tired. They're longing for the past. They're exhausted. They feel abandoned and betrayed. They're filling with anger and they can't even worship anymore. Can you resonate with any of those feelings? Can you resonate from the feelings of exile at all? Maybe in your own life you've experienced broken relationships, a broken marriage, a breaking of trust. 
And you longed for the past, for the way things once were. Maybe you lost your job. You're exhausted trying to figure out how to provide for your family. Maybe you've been sick, severely sick. Maybe the death of a loved one has left you feeling abandoned or betrayed by God. You feel a deep anger within you rising. Or maybe you have experienced a trauma or a hardship that has left you sitting by the waters of Babylon, weeping, hanging up your instruments of praise in the willow trees and wondering how to worship at all. As we open up the text of Ezekiel, this is where we find Ezekiel. By the waters of Babylon, by the Chabar Canal. He is there, one of the exiles, feeling these things. And in Ezekiel, God scoops him up by the hair and brings him back to Jerusalem and gives him a vision. A vision that God says, I want you to share with the other exiles. Because this vision, this vision is going to be filled with hope. So if you're tired or exhausted, if you're angry or broken, if you're feeling abandoned or betrayed, or you don't know how to worship any longer, Ezekiel's message is a message of hope, a message that there is hope in the exile because our glorious God pursues us and renews us. The message of hope in Ezekiel is that as we sit by the waters of Babylon, our glorious God pursues us and renews us. Let's consider finding hope in the exile together. The first is this, is that Ezekiel said, I want you to consider God's glory. I want you to consider God's glory. Now we read part of the vision here in chapter 10. And it's very similar to a vision that Ezekiel had just a few years earlier. The vision that we can read in Ezekiel chapter 1. It's the vision of God's glory. The word glory will be used in Ezekiel almost more than any other book. It's, it's a word that Ezekiel crams in all throughout his pages. The glory of God, the glory of God. Ezekiel wants us to see God's glory. And here in this vision, we see this glory of God. There's wheels that are whirring. There's eyeballs that are looking everywhere. There's cherubim, there's angels, some with Faces of eagles and lions and, and people. There, there's all sorts of things happening here. There's the sound of wings, the angels' wings flapping. There's light and fire and energy. There's all these crystals of, of gemstones that are reflecting the light. There's the noise of rushing waters and winds and storming armies. There's this incredible thing. And Ezekiel keeps saying, well, it was something like this and something like that. Because God's glory is this indescribable, incredible thing that Ezekiel encounters. God's glory has this infinite beyondness, this supreme importance, this absolute beauty. One commentator defines God's glory like this. The infinite, indescribable superlativeness 
of all God's attributes combined. The infinite, indescribable superlativeness of all God's attributes combined. God's glory. Ezekiel wants us to see it. Ezekiel wants us to remember it. Ezekiel wants us to experience it. And Ezekiel's response is that he falls face forward onto the ground in worship. He falls face first in surrender. He falls to the ground in humility. That when we experience the glory of God, all the other things around us fade away in the light of his glory. So how can we in the exile get a glimpse of God's glory? I'm not getting scooped up by my hair and flown to Jerusalem to see God's glory for myself. How can we see God's glory in the midst of exile? I think one way, one way that we read about in scripture is that we see God's glory in his creation. We see God's glory in what he's created It says in Romans that God's invisible qualities are clearly seen in creation. The psalmists tell us that the mountains declare the glory of the Lord. We can find God's glory in creation. I considered this this week as I sat at my mother-in-law's table in her kitchen. And I watched the bluebirds picking mealworms out of the bird feeder. And I watched her cat Her orange cat jump up on the windowsill, his eyes dilated, his whiskers twitching. I saw the glory of God. Claude and I went for a walk for our weekly one-on-one. We headed down the trails behind Jamestown High School. We watched the beavers repairing their dam. We looked at this tree with wood chips the size of my palm. The beaver cutting through a tree that was gigantic. And I I witnessed the glory of God. That if we want to see a glimpse of God's glory here in the exile, we can put down our phones and turn off our TVs and go for a walk and explore God's creation. To look at the sunsets and to see the stars and to experience his glory. Because our glorious God pursues us, and renews us. So finding hope in the exile begins with considering God's glory, but also Ezekiel wants us to see that we have to remember the mobility of God, that we need to remember God's mobility. God is a God who moves. In the scripture verses that were read this morning, we keep seeing wheels Wheels within wheels, whirring wheels, wheels that are moving in every direction. There's wheels all over this. The Ark of the Covenant has sprouted wheels. And to understand this, we need a quick little history lesson on the Ark of the Covenant. Right, let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. God gives his people the Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus chapters 25 through 30, God says, here, I'm going to give you some instruction. I want you to build an ark of a covenant, a box of sorts. And I want you to store the Ten Commandments in there. And on top of that box, there'll be some angels, some cherubim, and their wings will be extended. 
And on, the, on those wings, my presence, my glory will sit. I will be with you. I will interact with you. My glory from on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And then God told them to build a tabernacle, a tent, a tent of animal skins. And wherever the people went, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant went. God's glory, God's presence with his people in the wilderness. Every day the priests would pack up the tabernacle and they'd carry that Ark of the Covenant through the wilderness and all of God's people could see God's presence with them, could see God's power with them. When they crossed the Jordan River, they walked the Ark of the Covenant in and the waters stopped. When they took the Ark of the Covenant around the city of Jericho, the walls fell down. God's power, God's presence, God's protection, God's glory was with them. But eventually we read in 2 Samuel chapter 8 that David turned to his prophet Nathan and said, Why do I get to live in such a beautiful house? A house made from the cedars of Lebanon. And God lives in a tent I think I'll build God a tent or a a beautiful house. I think I'll build a beautiful house for God. And God speaks to the prophet Nathan and says, you know what, I kind of like my tent. I'm not asking for a fancy house. I like being mobile. I like moving with the people. I like being in the wilderness with you. God said, I don't need a fancy house. But Solomon built one. And when it was finished, they put the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies. And they didn't move it anymore. And they forgot that God was mobile. And Ezekiel, in his vision, says, God's got wheels. The Ark of the Covenant has wheels. He's on the move. He's not stationary. He's not stagnant. God is moving. And where does the ark go? It leaves the east side of the temple. Because what's to the east? Babylon. And who's to the east? The exiles. One commentator writes that the ark of the covenant was doing donuts in the deserts of Arabia on his way to rescue his exiles in Babylon. God is on the move. He's pursuing his people in exile. He is not stationary. He's mobile and he's moving to them. You know, sometimes I meet with people and they're sitting in so much guilt and sin and shame that they say something like, I don't know how to go to church. I don't know how to approach God And I always say, it's not about you moving towards God because God's moving to you. That no matter what put you in exile, for the Israelites, their sin, their idolatry, the way they took advantage of one another, these things caused judgment and sent them into exile. But even in exile, Jesus is pursuing them. God is going after them. He's springing wheels and he's saying, I'm coming for you. Yes, Ezekiel says there's peace and there's hope in the exile as we consider God's glory, as we remember God's mobility, and as we receive God's mercy. Because our glorious God 
pursues us and renews us. In the verses we read in chapter 11, God says, I will, put, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. God doesn't say when I show up, when I sprout these wheels and come after you, you better get yourself right. You better get yourself whole. No, God says, and when I get to you, I'm going to carve out that heart of stone. and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. That I'm going I'm to carve out that sin and that pain and that guilt and that shame. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to be your God. And you are going to be my people. Later in Ezekiel chapter 34, God will expand upon this idea with a metaphor that we find throughout scripture, a shepherd going after his sheep. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we read this. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. That our glorious God pursues us and renews us. That if we find ourselves exhausted Longing for what was the days of old. We're feeling betrayed or abandoned. We're angry. We're unable to worship. We find ourselves sitting by the waters of Babylon. The good news is the hope of Ezekiel states that our glorious God pursues us and renews us. As we've been in a small group study together as a chapel, reading surprise the world this week and not all small groups are on the same schedule but the main schedule says that we're in uh, chapter six this week the fourth habit learning Christ that the author of the book says that we need to learn Christ if we're going to live Christ in the world in essence this is what Ezekiel is doing for the people in Babylon he's saying don't forget our glorious God 
He pursues you and he renews you. And he's saying, now live faithfully in Babylon. The author of the book says, if we are to figure out what Jesus would want us to think or be and do here and now, we must know Jesus forward and backwards. That if we are to figure out what Jesus would want us to think, be, and do here and now, we must know Jesus forward and backwards. If Ezekiel is telling his people that a glorious God pursues them and renews them, then when we discover Jesus in the Gospels, we find the same thing. For in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That Jesus Christ left his glorious throne, and he came down to earth, and he put on a tent of skins, not animal skins like the tabernacle, but human skins. And Jesus walked among us. He lived perfectly for us. And then he went to the cross on our behalf and took the death that we deserved. And three days later, the glory of God, the spirit of God, rose him from the grave so that we can have life eternal in Jesus Christ. That when we discover Jesus, we discover that same God still moving and working. A glorious God that pursues us and renews us. And so in turn, may we become a people who reflects God's glory to the world around us, who pursues people that are sitting by the waters of Babylon, and may we point them to the one who will carve out their hearts of stone and fill them with his spirit, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. Our glorious God, pursues us, and renews us. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are excited to help you connect to Christ and His community. Have a blessed day.